0: You're listening to The Profile. Hi, welcome to The Profile podcast. I'm Andy Peck. For the past 17 years, I've been interviewing Christian leaders in the church and charity worlds and in the wider culture. It was John Maxwell who famously said, leadership is influence. It's our prayer that these conversations will help you in whatever spheres you have influence for God whether in the home, at church, in your workplace or elsewhere. The show is brought to you by Premier Christianity magazine, the UK's leading Christian magazine. Get full online access and the print magazine every month by becoming a subscriber. See special offers available now at premierchristianity.com. As national church numbers decline, there have been plenty of reactions. Some churches have concluded that it's impossible to look to build a church of committed disciples at a time when our culture is far more relaxed, especially within the younger generation. So churches have attempted to be inclusive as possible and demand very little of newcomers in an attempt to grow. On the other side of the spectrum are those who've recovered a discipleship focus in their ministry and message, calling for the kind of commitment that Jesus demanded from his followers in the first century. And perhaps to the surprise of some, these churches have been growing. So I'm delighted to be joined this week by a pastor and worship leader from one such church. It's called Regeneration Church. It's based in Upminster in Essex. It was planted by James Poach and his wife Ruth in Gidea Park, London. And James has written a book that outlines the kind of approach to discipleship that Jesus requires. The book is entitled Holy Grit, Gaining Traction on Life's Journey with Jesus. And the church's worship leader, Iman Spearman, has a remarkable story of coming to faith through visiting the church and has gone on to serve within it. So welcome to the Leadership Show to you both. Welcome, James. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure to be with you. you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Lovely to have you. So uh, firstly, your your, your journey to plant the church, James, you're you're not from these shores originally.
2: (laughs) No, I am American, although my wife is uh, English, and we moved here in 1988. But uh, we lived here a while before we felt both felt a call to ministry in the Methodist Church. So uh, we entered ministry in the year 2000, and uh, that was in an order of the Methodist Church, um, the permanent diaconate. And uh, we were tasked with doing youth work in uh, the 13 Methodist churches in the Romford circuit.
0: Excellent. And,
2: and um, out of that, uh, it's kind of to put it in a nutshell, we, my wife Ruth is really into drama, so uh, she started a drama group. of the interest of the young people and uh we very much had a clean slate it was a new position and uh so uh, we were fresh out of theological school or college and uh so we were just traveling along with these young people and uh some of the local ministers in the methodist churches asked us if we would do a confirmation course which we did and after that the young people were like oh we want more we would like to study the bible together we started a Bible study in our dining room. And that grew and grew until I think we had 30. And then we thought, oh, we need to, these walls are going to break down. So we kind of formalized it and um, found a a Methodist church building that would take us and uh, we kind of planted into that. Uh, So we officially planted regeneration in the year 2004. And uh, the Lord did some amazing things in those early years with
0: young people. No, it's great to hear. So Iman, we'll we'll hear a little bit of your story coming to church in, in a few moments. But um uh just in terms of uh, you, you ended up in in up near Upminster, James. So yes, you, yes. you kind of branched out, yes? Yes, yeah. Well we
2: were up until um lockdown, we were in a Methodist church in Gidea Park, which is right near to Upminster. But uh All the Methodist churches had closed their buildings. We went online uh, for a while and then felt that uh, we needed to find a new venue when it was possible to meet together as a church. And so we found a a venue in Upminster. It's actually a hard-framed marquee in an outdoor adventure center. Uh, So we've been meeting there for the last three and a bit years, which has been quite an adventure
0: excellent well we'll come back to look a little bit at the theme of the book in a minute but uh, i want to bring in iman who um of course would have encountered the church in this building and it's a fascinating story because (laughs) i had to (laughs) smile because it was it your mother who said um look come to church and if you don't like it you don't have to come back and say you were excited about going to church because you thought it would be the last time (laughs) so (laughs) tell me tell me about the story
1: Yes, it's. I still laugh about it. We still laugh about it together as a family, <laughs> over uh, 16 years later. Really, because I was 16 at the time, we were still based in Gidea Park at the time, and she would We'd moved to the area, and Mum had gone to visit the church because she's a believer and wherever we went she would try to find a church to attend and had dragged me along over the years but by this point I had put my foot down and I didn't want to go to church I had no interest I'd been to so many and I was convinced that I'd seen a different thing on Sunday to what I would see on Monday Um, there were actually even people from my school who went to the churches I'd been to and I'd it didn't match up so I wasn't interested and so For about six weeks, she asked me to go visit this church around the corner, Regeneration Church. And I wasn't I wasn't interested at all. Many arguments. And then this particular week, she just wouldn't let it go. Um, And she actually said, I remember her saying in the kitchen, I feel so strongly in my spirit that you need to go this week. I tell you what, if you go this week, I will never ask you to go to church again, ever Um, And as soon as she said that, I jumped on it because I didn't want to give her the opportunity to take it back. So I said, yeah, you've said that you can't take that back. I had a friend with me. I had her bear witness to this exchange as well. (laughs) Like you heard this. Can you come with me to this church as well? Um, And if they try to do anything weird to me, you can kind of save me. And we had a little giggle about that as well. Um, So we showed up came in and immediately I was quite surprised to see the demographic not quite what I expected (laughs) um so my first preconception was already blown out to the water and James was actually the one preaching that week I sat fairly close to the back I thought oh you know as lovely as this is it's almost a shame really that I'll never be coming back because this is quite pleasant (laughs) it's quite a pleasant experience everything you know this it feels warm to be in this place I didn't understand what that atmosphere was either but I thought oh it feels really lovely I'm never coming back Um, and then a girl gets up she was my age she was sharing um, her testimony a story about what had happened to her that summer and how her life had been transformed and she was sharing her experience and the more I listened the more I realized our stories are really quite similar similar upbringing similar disappointments but she spoke with like such confidence and you could just tell that she was someone who was filled with joy and love and she knew who she was. And as she was speaking, I felt myself getting really angry at first, actually. It was anger that I felt first. And then, um, and then the sense of frustration and then longing. And I felt like I want what she has. And I, as I felt that I hadn't realized that the tears had started falling and I was really emotional. Um, And then I just had this overwhelming sense of love and that everything, a conviction that everything she said was true. And not only was it true that I could have that too, but I had to make that decision to go right now. And if I didn't do it now, I knew that I was never going back to church. So I knew it was now or never. And I had this, it was like I was being pulled forward. I just thought, I have to speak to her. I if this is possible i can't mm. not have this in my life and so I, I ran forward i didn't actually realize that my friend had tried to hold me back like we agreed <laughs> and it didn't work um so i ran to the front i was just like a blubbering mess and i just said i look i don't know what's going on but i pray for me like i don't i don't know what to request here i've never had this experience before and she prayed and as she prayed i just felt again just this indescribable feeling of being seen known and accepted like i was accepted um and i just felt this way of, of um appreciation and i just i was so grateful and i was like thank you god and said you can have you have everything i i'm all in um and in that moment everything just kind of changed it felt like it felt like i could stand up right for the first time in my life i didn't realize how heavy my 16 year old body felt before then. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I just experienced actual joy for the first time in my life. I didn't realize how miserable I was up until that point. And since then, I mean, I could talk a little bit about that later, but since then there's just been moments after moments where I've hit that kind of crossroads where it's been. You can either keep saying yes and experiencing more of me, more of this joy, more of the fullness of what it means to live and be able to breathe i think that's probably the best way to put it like being able to breathe deeply or you can decide to ignore this and get go backward go back to that place of feeling closed off and trapped and always reminding myself of my own story has been quite helpful for me actually to call to mind what god has already done and how he's revealed himself to me has helped to keep making me choose him at those crossroads still
0: well that's, that's a lovely lovely story thank you so much for for sharing the exciting. So that embodies if you like the, the kind of the book and you, the book shares in chapter 2 that story doesn't it. Yes. Um because um as I alluded to in my introduction James lots of churches kind of get half the message so trust in Jesus and you'll go to heaven. Uh yes. but they miss actually that Jesus himself was calling people to follow him and to invite invite them into a a new kind of life a life of abundance. Um, which has a cost to it because it's a it's a costly to, to deny yourself. And your book certainly um you know is very clear on your understanding of the, the challenge of uh that Jesus calls. So what are you hoping that the book would do, James? Yes, well, I'm hoping that it'll just like refresh uh churches who
2: haven't already captured the vision of uh discipleship. Um I know there's of course there's others out there that have, but there are many who haven't. And I think, Oh, just, we need more churches to get engaged with discipleship. It's kind of like hiding in plain sight in the Bible. You know, we know Jesus and the 12 disciples and all of that. And Jesus said, go and make disciples, but are we really taking that seriously as churches to actually, and what does that, what does that really mean in practice? So I just set out to unpack that uh, through scripture and also just kind of grounding it in modern day stories like Amon's people in our church who have been through a process of discipleship where they're challenged, they're encouraged in their faith to to press in even when it's difficult. And that's kind of where the whole idea of the holy grit comes in, because, you know, life is slippery and the road is narrow. And so we don't want to slip off that road. We want to keep going, want to encourage one another in the journey. The journey is shared and so that's the basic premise and you know it's it, of course it's journeying with Jesus but we do that with others and uh, we encourage one another on on that
0: I- Iman, yeah. you say you say in your story in the book that you were delighted to be attending the church for test time because uh, you hoped to be your last time but then when you got involved that yes you were you embraced it but there was also a, a kind of process of healing that took place and that god hmm. you alluded to that in what you just said so can you tell us a little bit more of your own discipleship journey uh, as you as you embraced what james has been writing about
1: yeah so fairly early on um i was obviously on this high, I was like, wow, God loves me. This is wonderful. I get to live life in all its fullness. Jesus is the only way. And it all seemed very good. And then I prayed this very bold, very faith-filled prayer at the time um, where I had hit a point where it felt like I felt like there was more, but I didn't know how to have more. I wanted to be closer to God, but it felt like there was something missing. So I prayed and I said, God, if there is anything in me that is, in the way of me being able to be closer to you or to live the way you want me to or to be able to hear you clearer I don't want that I want any everything that's standing in the way to be removed please take it from me reveal it to me if there's anything I need to do I'll do it um and as I did that we were actually away at, um I think it was a residential away day with the church um and as I did that I just got flooded with quite a lot of repressed memories of childhood abuse, um, childhood sexual abuse. And it was quite, as you can imagine, overwhelming. Um, so my immediate reaction was fear and pain. And so I kind of, I actually ran away from the room. I physically removed myself from the room um, and it was Ruth Poach, so um, our other pastor that encouraged me to come back in and to see what was going on. Cause she didn't, obviously no one knew what was happening internally. And so I said, I feel like you know something's coming up and I'm scared. I don't know that I'm kind of ready. And she said, well, God doesn't force us to do things. You have a choice here. Do you want to trust God with this and let it out or do you not want to? Again, they wouldn't force anything. And I said, well, I prayed this prayer, so <laughs> I guess I'm following through with it. I, I, have, to, I have to take the lead to let it all out. And then I received prayer in that moment. And as it all came out, there was just a lot of first of all, just healing from the pain of the whole experience. So that was the first thing that happened. And God telling me that I was safe now, that it's okay, that he's not abandoned me. And I I suddenly, even in some of those dark moments, I could see and feel his presence throughout. So it was, I was even reminded that, oh, actually, I had invited God in fairly young and didn't realize at the time what that meant. And there's a lot of stuff that came up that I realized that, okay, first of all, the healing had been done for the pain of this, but there was a lot of other things to work out. So one of those things was anger. So growing up, I had a lot of anger issues, which stemmed from this trauma, but I didn't know that. And it took discipleship where it was pointed out to me that, Oh, you do tend to have like outbursts of just real anger. Like what it's, would you explore that? Um And I was like, oh, I'm not angry. Look at me. I smile all the time. Everything's good. (laughs) Um, I had this mask that I always had on, but because that was pointed out, I couldn't ignore it. It was like, well, this is something that it's being noticed outside. So what is that? And again, having to confront that. And one of the things that I really appreciated early on in the discipleship process was that at church, it was always taught that conviction is a gift that we're given. It's knowledge the Holy Spirit gives us that something isn't right and something needs to be put right. And so not to run away from it, but lean into it. So the moment I felt that this is wrong, that carrying, harboring all of this anger isn't right, I had to come to terms with that and accept that it is wrong and not to run away and hide. The second thing that it talks about is confession being like uh, um, a gift. Again, I love using the words, God gives us lots of gifts. But it's like having keys to shackles. We're given that gift of confession that actually we've been convicted, so we know something's not right the next process of that is to confess where we have a part to play in it. I think it's, I could have come up with a thousand reasons why it's not my fault that I'm angry all the time. The world owes me something. Look what I've been through, but that's not true. I still, I'm still in charge of myself. I still have autonomy. God has given me that free will. So I still have to choose to acknowledge where I've allowed that anger to build that bitterness to build the unforgiveness to build and turn into resentment. And so there was a lot of confessing stuff (laughs) as it came, wherever things were pointed, taking ownership of really ugly parts of yourself that you don't want to acknowledge is there. And for me, it happened quite regularly. The more I wanted to see God, the more God showed me myself for who I really was. I didn't like that, but I could either run away and go, well, that's not fair. I don't like this or go, oh, but I know that you you promised that I could be made more into the image of Jesus. So if acknowledging this is the process to having it being able to be peeled, peeled off me or cut off me. I have to be honest about this. And so it's just been that really, it's fairly simple when you say it that way, it's accept that there's something wrong. Be real about the fact that there's something that you, your part to play in it, confess that no matter how small the offense on your part and God does the rest, there's no kind of magic to it. God does the rest. Um, And it's still a process that I'm, I'm I mean, I'm still going through this. So even though I said, you know, healing has been done there's still things that God keeps pointing out in my character and even recently I had a chat with James and Ruth recently just the stuff God's doing where there's something that's pointed out and you go oh okay this isn't as it should be I could leave it or I could know that God is trying to do something here oh this is a gift this is a precious moment God has given me an opportunity to be more free than I was before and so discipleship for me is something I count I actually think it saved my life because the the trajectory I was on was very self-destructive. And I don't think that I would be alive today. I think I would have probably turned to suicide, to be frank. Um, There was a lot of darkness and despair. And I think even though it seems really weird because people think, oh, you just need to kind of be coddled and told they're there. Actually being told the hard truths of, the choices we have to make and living God's way versus my way, addressing the selfishness that I developed and self-centeredness that I developed allowed me to open myself to what God would say instead of what I would say, because I become the boss of me. So to peel that back, discipleship was really important and still is because every day I'm discovering, Oh, okay. This thing I thought was okay. No, that's because I'm still trying to control this part of my life. Sorry, God, here you go. You can have that
0: well bless you for being so so wonderfully open and honest about all that amen that's going to be a a blessing to many uh, james uh, you you talk in the book about the what's sometimes called means of grace or spiritual disciplines uh, how important yes. are these as part of what you do as a church
2: yes yeah well we do love our sermon series or talk series uh, as we call them and uh, so at the moment we're actually going to be doing a series based around the book just to kind of remind ourselves of what those are but in from time to time we talk about the different uh, disciplines of activity like study worshiping prayer fellowship you know meeting together regularly as a church confession submission but then there's also disciplines of abstinence the things that we need to lay aside or just taking up solitude, silence, fasting, frugality, chastity, secrecy, avoiding self in in secrecy. I mean, by avoiding self-promotion that we, that we do things, we bless people without letting other people know. And, uh, you know, as we're told in the Bible, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing and uh, sacrifice, you know, sacrificial giving, and uh out of all of those things i think it just it helps us to be the re- well-rounded christians that we're called to be we don't want to leave out any parts of the gospel because it's all good news whether it's the abstinence or the disciplines of activity
0: well it's wonderful to sense your enthusiasm for for what we call a solid bible view of of yeah. church and 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 life sure. um James, you've you've seen the likes of Iman and others you know, yes. go through the process. What what are we talking in terms of journey time, <laughs> if I can use that language, from someone coming <laughs> yeah. to faith and and say being able as Iman is to be part of the, the serving fellowship of the church? I guess it's how long's a piece of string, but you yes. know you've seen lots of people right. come through, so. Are we talking yes. months, years, uh, decades?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's the long road of discipleship. And of course, we're all different. And sometimes, you know, I'm quite a stubborn person. So for me, uh, it probably takes longer to learn some things than it does for other people. Uh, but I'm <laughs> I'm trying in that. Uh, my wife is really good at pointing out these things, you know, <laughs> but uh Yeah, it does. It does take time. And, uh, you know, there are no shortcuts, you know, no drive through breakthroughs. It's uh, it is the long road of discipleship. And we as long as we're committed to that, you know, there's abundant grace and love that uh, we share among ourselves. So it's not just, you know, all this whole grit sounds so kind of maybe negative sometimes, but there's a lot of uh, encouragement that goes on to for one another and uh so it's a lifelong it's a lifelong process right until we meet jesus
0: amen amen you want to add
2: something
1: yeah i think it's very important to say as well because because of everything i said it might sound like there was you know someone following me around being like change this change that it definitely wasn't like that and i was welcome to serve on team as soon as I said that I, you know, as, a, as a, mm. I was a Christian and I was um, committed to discipleship, I was welcome to serve on team. The understanding being that that continues, that ongoing commitment to discipleship continues. Um, mm. And it's not to say I didn't make many mistakes along the way, but there was there's a lot of encouragement, as James says, to say that there is definitely more. You're not your worst mistakes or anything like that. And I think it's just all that has been asked people everyone around me and myself as well has been, hey, keep taking that next, you fall down, get back up, let's keep going forward together. So even though um, it might seem like, you know, we are talking about the great and it sounds really serious discipline, there is a lot of joy that comes with that as well. Um, and so n- there are no perfect people in our church. <laughs> there are no perfect <laughs> people on teams, but there are people who are passionate and dedicated towards following Jesus and being more like him.
0: Well, certainly Richard Foster's book is called Celebration of Discipline, isn't it? So there's mm-hmm. a, there's those two dimensions. And I think it was Eugene yes. Peterson who talks about discipleship as being a long obedience in the same direction, uh, which mm. is yeah. outlining what James said in terms of the, you know, this is a, we're, we're here for the long haul. Absolutely. Um, so, So James, you need to remind us of the title and how we can get a copy of the book.
2: Yes. uh, The title is Holy Grit, Gaining Traction on Life's Journey with Jesus. And I must say, this is the second edition, which has been uh, revised and updated. It has new testimonies in it, as well as uh, an added study guide. So what that adds to the book is that at the end of each chapter, there are studies, there are devotional parts. So it's really good to do it as a book with others so one to one or in a small group and it can be used as a study guide in that way just to kind of unpack some of the things that that i put forth in the book
0: excellent and uh, the publisher is is it instant apostle yes it is good well it's been a joy to to chat with you and thank you iman for sharing a story thank you james for uh, just your your gentle and calm way in which you uh, outline the importance of discipleship for us. And uh, we're very grateful. So thank you. Yeah. Thank
2: you. Andy. Thank appreciate you.
0: that. It was super to meet with James Poach and Iman Spearman, both of Regeneration Church based in Upminster in Essex, uh, focusing on James's book, Holy Grit, but also uh, that lovely story from Iman of how she, uh, met with the Lord as she attended church, expecting it to be her last time, but actually was a a journey into something wonderful. So do buy a copy of Holy Grit by James Poach, spelled P-O-C-H. It's published by Instant Apostle. I'm sure if you Google the name and the publisher, you'll find it online, somewhere suitable. And it will focus particularly on the journey of discipleship that that particular church had been on. And it uh, be an encouragement for you as you seek to encourage and help those within your local church or perhaps in your circle of friends to get serious about faith. You can find uh, the Leadership Show in two places. You can go to Premier's own website and find archives of several hundred past shows or you can go to the profile. Uh, the Leadership Show is the Leadership Special midweek round about a Wednesday. So you'll see Profile episodes, uh, longer episodes of about 50 minutes, typically sometimes uh, two 25s, but often 50. And then the leadership show midweek at 25 minutes. So you can uh, sign up and make sure you receive that uh, to your listing device at your leisure. This is Andy Peck thanking you for your company and looking forward to the next time. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity
1: magazine.